Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Here we go, here we go, here we go, and a pleasant good Friday morning rolling right into the Christmas holiday. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. We've got the Chatterbox Sports merch on today. All this of it. Good. You right? look good, Tom. This is a sweet color sweatshirt. I like it a lot. I like this thing. It fits the uh, the 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 fam- fandom that you have with the brownies. The brownies. Yeah. Yeah, the brownies. We're going to be talking about them shortly. You guys all right today? Uh, Elliot not here today, so it's just skeleton crew. You've said you're on your game. I'm on my game. Can you say the same? I don't know, Tom. It's I, it, was, it was a rough morning, but I got to tell rough you. Rough morning? Why? Your, well, your, your wife came in here and delivered you, what was that, coffee, tea, coffee. high noon? What is coffee? that? little coffee but uh yeah it's just been uh i had to go do something i had to take video board somewhere early in the morning but luckily our host looks great in some earth tones no doubt you look great in that sweatshirt Tom. no question my day thank you thank you we come your way monday through friday 10 to 12 you can find us on youtube chatterbox sports is the place to find us we also broadcast live on x elon musk powerhouse company formerly twitter and that's at Seabox Sports. And if you'd rather join us in, you know, podcast form, download us, catch us later. By all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Were you getting ready to say something, Casey? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, no. You were getting ready to say something. Yes, you were. I was just going to say, that's right, Tom. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. We're less than 30 hours away from tomorrow's AFC North showdown in Pittsburgh. Bengali's trying to stay alive for a postseason berth. And, of course, avenge their last loss four weeks ago against the Steelers. Now we know the Bengalis are without DJ Reader. That's for the year. They will also play without star wide receiver Jamar Chase. But more than enough gas in the tank, weapons abound to try and steal a win in the division, which, by the way, would be the first division win this season. They have the hottest quarterback, arguably, in the league. A bend-but-don't-break defense, lately anyway. And, of course, a field goal kicker who's among the very best weapons in all of football. Mike DeFabo, who covers the Men of Steel for The Athletic, will join us in just a few minutes to talk about this matchup. Bengal fans will be paying close attention to a number of other games around the league. We're down to the final three weeks of the season. We start with Cleveland. The Brownies. Disgusting. And really, this is a flip of the coin thing. And we'll get into this with Jay Morrison from uh, Pro Football Talk at 11. Because he laid out today in his article, everybody that you should be rooting for this weekend in all the games. And for the Browns and Texans, it's really a flip of the coin for multiple reasons, which we will let Jay explain later. Now, we know Houston is even with Cincinnati. They also own a tiebreak over Cincinnati. But the Texans are once again without C.J. Stroud, their star rookie quarterback. He had that concussion two weeks ago against the Jets. That's a Sunday 1 o'clock kick. Buffalo plays after the Bengals Saturday night against the L.A. Chargers. No Justin Herbert there. The Bills might be the hottest team in football right now. At least they're playing like it. Indianapolis visits Atlanta on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Then you have Denver at 7-7. Seven and seven. 
hosting New England Sunday afternoon. The best game on paper is Monday night. The Baltimore Ravens, as we talked about yesterday, a five-and-a-half-point underdog against the 49ers in Santa Clara. Over in the NFC playoff race, the Rams are now 8-7. and seven. Huge win last night over your guy, Derek Carr and the Saints, 30-22. to 22. Matthew Stafford, tell you what, the guy's still pretty doggone good. I don't think people recognize how great Matthew Stafford is and has been his entire career. He's still, he's what, upper 30s and he's still flinging it around like He really is. is. He really is. 328 yards last night, two touchdowns in the win. In baseball, I got to tell you, uh, doesn't it make, make it hard to like the sport? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does, unless you're a Dodger fan. Because the Dodgers, apparently, are much like your federal government. Your guys' federal government. The current federal government. They just keep printing money. Print it up. First, it was Shohei. $700 million. Then a trade for Tyler Glass now. They give him five years, $135 million. Then last night, L.A. hands out a 12-year, 12-year. $325 million contract to Japanese star pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It's the largest deal in terms of years and value for any pitcher in baseball history. Not only does he get that money, the Dodgers had to pay an additional $50 million dollars to pay his former team in Japan. Think about that. Those three players alone in roughly two weeks, over $1 billion. When the Castellini family bought the Reds, they did not pay 25% of that amount to buy the entire franchise. College Hoops, number nine, Kentucky blast in-state rival Louisville, 95-76 to last night. Steve Williams out here from Headline Sports reminded me this morning. Four years ago this week, Louisville was the number one ranked college basketball team in the country. UC back on the hardwood tonight at 7 o'clock against Stetson, Miami host Vermont. Tomorrow, Xavier, a noon tip-off. Big East Conference play against Seton Hall. Muskies coming off that loss against St. John's, while the Pirates shocked UConn, the fifth-ranked team in the country. And in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons lost their 25th consecutive game last night. Can you imagine that? 25 in a row? That is one short of the league's all-time single-season record. 28 carries over from one year to another many years ago. But in the same season, 26 is the record. They try to avoid that tomorrow, traveling to Brooklyn. Is Mike already with us? Yes, he is. He is. Well, let's get right to him. Mike DeFabo from The Athletic covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. We certainly appreciate your time here today, Mike, and uh, hope all is well with you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. How are you doing today? Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys, too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Tell us now, let's start before we get into some of the other things that we can get into about this matchup tomorrow. 
But the overall sort of macro view of the Steelers franchise. Last time we saw them, they win here. They go to 7-4. and four. They look like they have a really easy schedule to at least get to 9-4. and four. That hasn't happened. Now they're 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, So what is, what is the state of the franchise right now, in your opinion? Well, not only did they lose three in a row, but two of those three wins came, or losses came against two win teams in the form of the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots. And I think what this recent stretch has showed is that the Steelers this season are much closer to a two-win team than they are the playoffs. You know, their record was 7-4, and four, as you mentioned, after they beat the Bengals. But the reality is they've been relying on an unsustainable model for this entire year. And that model was that they basically would sputter and stall on offense for three quarters, but it would be the defense that would bail them out, and somehow they'd be in position for a great Kenny Pickett fourth-quarter comeback. Well, right now that defense is ravaged by injury. The top three safeties are out. Uh, two of the top three inside linebackers are out. And as a result, that defense that once carried them is not the same anymore. And so there's big questions about this team and there's big questions about this franchise because, you know, this is going to be another season probably the Steelers don't have a playoff win. And it's been since 2016 that Mike Tomlin has a playoff win. So definitely fans here in Pittsburgh are getting restless. This is a fan base not used to losing and it sure seems like this season is unraveling right in front of their eyes. You know, it, it really is so interesting, Mike, because, you know, you, 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 let's start with Tomlin here for a second. Uh, you know, you've forgotten more about it than I'll ever know. But, look, they, they, they've gone, for, what, 45, almost 50 years without ever firing a head coach. I mean, you go from Chuck Knoll to Bill Cowher. Those two guys stepped aside. They weren't fired. Uh, and now you've had Tomlin uh, for a long, long time. Never had a losing record. But... Um, is it ridiculous to say there's no way the Steelers would turn loose Mike Tomlin at the end of this year? Is that just a ridiculous thought, just knowing their track record? Well, so it, this is truly going to be a test of the Steelers' business model and of their patience. Because as you mentioned, since 1969, they've had three head coaches, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and now Mike Tomlin, who's in his 17th season with the Steelers. So, you know, historically, the Steelers would extend Mike Tomlin this offseason. They would keep him on, and we wouldn't even be talking about this. But right now in Pittsburgh, it's become a major talking point, is what do you do with Mike Tomlin? He has just one more year left on his contract. Now, if you think it's time to move on and to part ways, a trade makes a lot more sense than simply firing him. I think that he's the kind of coach that would be coveted throughout the league. And that's the talk here in Pittsburgh is, basically, you've got people on one side arguing, he hasn't had a playoff win since 2016. It feels like this team is stuck in 9-8 and eight purgatory. On the other side, people say, well, he's never had a losing season, and he has such a great pulse to this team. And if you fired him, he would be snatched up in a second. So there definitely is going to be a, you know, a big decision this offseason about Mike Tomlin and, and what the future is for him. What are your thoughts of the way he's handled? Because we had Paul Doherty on, longtime columnist here in, in Cincinnati, sports columnist here in town, um, who has some Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania roots and has always been a big fan of the Steelers and, and also the Pirates. Um, you know, he, he wonders, is Mike Tomlin, of all people, gotten a little soft? And, 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 and you know, he, he made reference to that as to the way he sort of handled this whole Pickens thing, that there was a time, 
you know, not all that long ago, where you act and do the things that Pickens has done, either said the things he said or not blocking for, you know, a running back to try and get in the end zone like it was against the Colts, um, where he'd have just sat the guy down. Maybe not released him, but sat the guy down. Um, what are your thoughts on the way he's handled that thing with Pickens? Well, you know, it's interesting because this isn't the first time that Mike Tomlin has dealt with a diva receiver or right. a receiver that has some emotions. You know, famously, Antonio Brown went through a lot of these things, but it wasn't just him. You know, the, the last great offensive era of Steelers football, it came undone based on egos and personalities and, and things of that nature. Like Le'Veon Bell uh, showed up late for a playoff game, you know, and, and Antonio Brown, similar antics. So this is a, that's one of the things that's a knock against Mike Tomlin is that he's supposed to be a player's coach. You know, he's not a guy that's a great in-game manager. He's not a guy that's known as a fantastic tactician. But what they say about Mike Tomlin is he has the pulse of his team and he gets guys to buy in and, and he's just so good at motivating. Well, if you have a guy here who's unwilling to block for his teammate, unwilling to help him get into the end zone, you know, that kind of flies in the face of this. And that's what I think George Pickens doesn't really realize in all this his actions might end up getting somebody fired. Do you think the Steelers are going to want to bring back a wide receivers coach after seeing, you know, George Pickens and the way that he performs there? And if it continues, do you think they're going to want to bring back Mike Tomlin if they feel like he's lost the locker room and the guys aren't listening to him? So, you know, this, this is, um, you know, sometimes this could appear like something that it's the media hyper-focusing on Pickens, hyper-focusing on one play. But I think when you look at the history of the Steelers and some of these other similar stories, I think it's bigger than that. Okay. Uh, I, I want to ask you about Pickett a little bit because he really did have, as you alluded to earlier, he had some unbelievable fourth quarters in games this season where all of a sudden they don't do anything for three quarters and then bang, bang, bang. They put up 14, 17, 21, whatever it might be, win games late, all that kind of thing, leaning on that defense you talked about before all the injuries. Um, is, do you think the team is sold on Pickens as, a Pickett as the long-term guy? You know, I'm not sure after this season because, um, you know, there was a lot of hope and optimism coming into this year that he would take that proverbial year two leap. And he certainly showed some things in the preseason. He led five touchdown drives with five opportunities. So definitely expectations were high for him. Um, but he really did not perform up to expectations. I have an article in The Athletic looking at it. His stats last year as a rookie are virtually identical as his stats this year. He's seven and five as a starter in both instances. His completion percentage is about 62% in both instances. He's thrown for a similar number of touchdowns, similar number of yards, both of those underwhelming. Um, and, and so really here's the real question for the Steelers. Right before they played the Bengals last game, they fired offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Mm -hmm. Now, how much was Matt Canada to blame? Was this a situation where Matt Canada was so bad and things were so dysfunctional that no quarterback could succeed. Or you had a situation where Matt Canada had never proven he could do it at the NFL level, leading a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who had never done it at the NFL level. You know, if you're a Steelers fan, you have to convince yourself that it was Matt Canada's fault. And that next offseason, the Steelers are going to go. They're going to get a great offensive coordinator. He's going to help put Kenny in positions. And you're going to see Kenny grow. Um, because right now, you know, through... Uh, you know, 20-something starts for Kenny Pickett, he's really not showing any progress, and it is fair to question whether he can actually be a franchise passer. Okay, uh, you, you start there. You brought up the, the, the coordinator situation. They do have a game to play this weekend. 
Uh, it's not going to be Mitchell Trubisky. It's going to be Mason Rudolph. Why Rudolph over Trubisky? Just why not maybe is a better question. Yeah, so, you know, they, they brought Mitch Trubisky in thinking this is a guy with 56 starts under his belt. You know, he's led the Bears to the playoffs. Um, with the young quarterback like Kenny Pickett, Mitch should be a great leader, and he is, by all accounts, really good guy to have in Kenny Pickett's corner. The tough thing is he just hasn't produced when given the opportunity. You know, um, the Steelers really just needed him to be a game manager, and he threw five interceptions to four touchdown passes when given the chance. So Mason Rudolph is very interesting because back in 2019, he got a similar opportunity. That was when Ben Roethlisberger tore up his elbow the second game of the season, and Mason was in his second year and looked like he was supposed to be the heir apparent. The Steelers said they had a first-round grade on him, even though he was drafted in the third round. Well, that season completely you know, unraveled. There's the famous helmet-swinging incident, mm -hmm. but that was just one of the things that went wrong for Mason Rudolph during that year. He ultimately got benched for Devlin Duck Hodges, and Duck Hodges <laughs> proved he could, he could call ducks and, and manage an offense, and Mason Rudolph was unable to do either one of those two things. So, you know, I don't look at this as some kind of great spark that's going to come in and change the offense. Like, this offense has been anemic for the better part of four seasons with multiple different quarterbacks. And, you know, I don't think that a guy that they've relegated to third-string quarterback is going to suddenly come in and change that. So I feel like it's more of a situation of Mason Rudolph has been on this roster. He's been almost an outcast, a guy that we've let tumble down the depth chart our season's unraveling. Let's give this guy an opportunity because, look, it can't get any worse. It's already as bad as it's going to get. This offense is already horrific and historically and comically bad. So, you know, why not give Mason an opportunity to at least play here and things can't get worse? Well, all right, with that in mind, uh, look, uh, numbers don't lie. The Bengals' defense has, has not done well in trying to stop the run. Uh, the Steelers do have two very talented running backs on this team. Uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Would you be surprised if they tried to run the ball 45, 48, 49 times in this game on, on Saturday? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a game that the Steelers lean on the running game for sure. And there was some question about their uh, really talented left guard, Isaac Sayamalu, whether he would play, but he has no injury designation is going to play through a shoulder injury. So, so definitely I think that's going to be part of the formula. I also think they're putting Mason Rudolph um, and the Steelers offense in a good position because the Bengals defense gives up yards and bunches. You know, um, the, the game that the Steelers played earlier this season against the Bengals, that was the first time they put up more than 400 yards since week two of the 2020 season. So, you know, I, I expect this to be a situation where the Steelers offense can move the ball. And I think that running the football is going to be really the way to do things. Now, in Pittsburgh, there's a big debate between which running back should get more carries sure. because Najee Harris is the guy with pedigree. They drafted him in the first round. Um, he's the bigger, more bruising type of old school Steelers running back, but he really hasn't had a lot of success. And he's had a very difficult three years in Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, Jalen Warren, who went undrafted, he's a much speedier, um, different kind of change of pace back. And he's also fantastic in pass protection to the point that he's been fined for some of his his blitz pickups and pass protection. So, you know, I think both those guys are going to be part of it. But here in Pittsburgh, I know people would rather prefer a little bit more Jalen Warren to more Najee.
I'm kind of curious what Steeler fans think, if they think about it at all. I mean, they obviously have had so, by far and away, more success than a Bengals franchise in, in, in their respective histories. But the Bengals certainly are the, the up-and-coming Johnny-come-lately of the division. There's no two ways about that. Um, do, do, do some of Steeler fans just shake their head ever since they saw Jake Browning and they look what this guy's done since then, which you can make the argument he's been the best quarterback in the league. I mean, he's put up numbers in his first four career starts that no quarterback has ever put up in the history of the league. Do, do Steeler fans, do you, are they kind of saying, why can't we be that when it comes to this? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something that people have talked about is, I mean, it's not just the Bengals. You know, you look around the league at what the Raiders are doing with Aiden O'Connell or, you know, there's this is really the year of the backup quarterback. Um, it seems like every team is dealing with a situation where they're down to their second or their third guy. And so many teams are playing, are producing more points, putting up more yards than the Steelers are. So definitely people are looking at this saying, you know, What's wrong here? Why, why are things so bad in Pittsburgh? And I think it goes back to some of the coaching. Like the, the, the same coaches right now that are coordinating the offense, they were in the meeting room with Matt Canada, who fans basically booed and chanted out of town. And, and I think that that's the issue here, is that until the Steelers bring in a great offensive coordinator and somebody who can you know, successfully come up with plays and call them and have the right rhythm to things – and, and use the personnel to their advantage, the Steelers are going to be in this position, you know? So, so that's the big key for the Steelers is if they want to change their trajectory of their franchise right now, it all comes down to the hire that they make this offseason at offensive coordinator. Uh, last thing before we let you go, and we certainly appreciate your time today. I, I'm curious if most people in Steeler country, their Steeler nation feel like, hey, look, they may not win the game this week, but, but they got to show up ready to play a game, right? I mean, it's a division rival. Uh, the Steelers' chances of getting in the postseason are quite slim. The Bengals' chances aren't all that great, but they've got a shot anyway uh, if they can continue to win uh, at least their last three and maybe two out of three and still get in. But, but, but for Steeler Nation, is that kind of what you, know, you, you expect to see this uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good point because – um, at the Athletic, our model, I think, says that the Steelers have like a less than 10% chance of making the playoffs. And the only way they could do that is if they win out all three games. So you can look at this and certainly say, you know, this is kind of a meaningless game. There's not a lot to play for for the Steelers. But that's really not the case. There is a lot to play for. You know, Mason Rudolph, this is his Super Bowl. This is his last and best opportunity to prove to the NFL at large that he's better than a third-string afterthought. You know, for the Steelers... Last game, they were talking about it against the Colts. Like, this was a playoff game. They said those words. This is a playoff game. And then it was a no-show. They lost 30-13. to 13. They put up 30 unanswered points. So how do you respond to that? You know, individual guys, George Pickens, he's been blasted for his effort. You could just scroll Twitter and find clips of him not blocking. So how does he respond to that? And then most importantly, what does this team do that shows that they still believe in Mike Tomlin? Because that's the biggest question in Pittsburgh right now is what happens with Mike Tomlin and does he still have the pulse of this team? Can he still motivate these guys um, to play hard and play together? Something that's not been true for a lot of the season. So, you know, it, again, to bring it full circle, it feels like it's not a game that's very significant and it probably is not in the standings. But 
the outcome of this game will determine the future of the Steelers in a lot of ways. It will determine jobs. It will determine the, which direction the Steelers take. So for that reason, it is a very important game. It's fascinating stuff. Mike, we can't thank you enough for your time. Love reading your stuff on a regular basis at The Athletic. And uh, have a great weekend and a Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you very much. Nice to have Mike DeFabo. Very, very kind of him to join us uh, today. And, uh, you know, I thought that was fascinating, what he just said in summation there about Steeler Nation. There's a lot going on, man. This is a proud friend. I know people around here get all worked up like Casey. Bad mouthing the Steelers all the time. We don't do that here. I I don't do that. Um, Probably the least bad mouth team I I I won't do it to the – because, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh's great town, nice people. Unbelievable franchise success. But, I mean, he just, in summation there, he said there's a lot going on here, man, for that fan base for this game tomorrow. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like, listen, we we talk from a a view from miles away, right? Yep. Saying – what are they going to do with Mike Tomlin? But they, it's a very loud presence, a very loud thought over there in Pittsburgh. What happens with Mike Tomlin? This is a guy, as everyone knows that watches NFL, that has never had a losing season. Yep. That's hard to do. You know, there's a lot of parity in the NFL, which means that at some points you're going to have a bad year. Some points you're going to have a good year. They've never had a bad year. Now, they've been sitting around mediocre for a little bit of time, and yep. that's what people are worried about because this is a Steelers franchise. It's one of the most... Uh, pronounced franchises in the NFL, maybe the most pronounced franchise in the NFL. And they've just been kind of middling in the middle of the pack for a long time. And now they're wondering the same questions that, that we are wondering as people in their division, has Mike Tomlin's voice just kind of become, you know, auxiliary noise in the locker room? Does he still have a thumb on this team? Can he still get it done? You know, five years ago, three years ago, we're talking about Mike Tomlin like he's a top three coach in the league. And he hasn't had a losing season since. And now we're talking, should he be gone? That's one, how high the expectations are in Pittsburgh. And two, just showing that, you know, what have you done for me lately? Hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. And those things are starting to drown out. You know, um, honestly, I feel kind of bad for Mike because – Mike let, Tomlin. Okay. thought you meant Mike DeFabo. No, no. Uh, I can't believe I wished a, a Steelers guy a Merry Christmas. It's just the season yeah, to that, get That would be – I could never. Um, oh, I feel bad God. for Mike, though, because, like, a lot of those players, it's not, like, on him to bring in those guys. It's a, a collective effort. Like the GM, the guy that's making those draft yep. picks, the guy that's bringing in those free agents, and – He's just stuck with dealing with it because they're a great talent. You just kind of suck it up. I think just for his sake, I think he should leave. Just to go and prove that he can do it somewhere else. That's just my thought on the whole situation. I mean, like, like the same conversations that people are having in Pittsburgh remind me so much of Marvin Lewis. Like, I wanted Marvin to just leave Cincinnati just to go prove that he could do it somewhere else. Fortunately, he never got that chance. But there is going to be teams that give Mike Tomlin a chance. You, you remember last year? Was it last year or two years ago, Tom? <clears throat> there was a rumor. It was whenever they hired Lincoln Riley. How long ago was that? USC hired Lincoln Riley. Two, two years, years ago. Okay. So there was a rumor. Two that, seasons ago. There was a rumor that go around. It actually was started by, by, I believe, Carson Palmer started the rumor. He went on Pat McAfee's show and was like, who are you guys looking into to, to replace the USC's head 
football vacancy. And he's like, uh, Mike Tomlin is a guy we're looking at. They're like, Mike Tomlin. And then rumors started swirling around. And literally yeah. that day, like all these rumors go around, Mike Tomlin being thought for, for the USC job. And, and I, you know, I don't like Mike Tomlin just because of what the Steelers have done to the Bengals in my lifetime. But I, I, I giggled because Mike Tomlin had a press conference that day and they asked him point blank, like, are you considering taking the USC job? And he looked in the camera and he said, what the hell are you talking right, about? Right, why, right. why in the hell would I go coach college when I'm the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? So I do like Mike Tomlin. But, yeah, it's it's uh, maybe there is some some point to Casey that maybe he should go leave and do it somewhere else. He's not going to do that. He is much too proud. Like, it's the most proud franchise, maybe the most proud franchise in the league. Why would you want to leave that just to save, just to say, I can do it somewhere else? I don't know. I don't know well, I, I thought the thing that was the, the most interesting part of that whole I, – I just found that interview to be are, – are, is the uh, internet out? Are we good? No, we're – I think we're still rolling. Yep, we're still rolling. Go ahead. Okay. I, I just found that whole interview so interesting because this is – these are the kinds of things you hear about in other cities with other franchises. Coaches on the hot seat having issues with diva wide receivers um, coaches getting fired during the middle of the season coordinators. Th those are the kinds of things that you don't think of with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. You just don't. Right. And, and for him to say that all of those things now are the hot button topics in that town, which running back should be playing more. You know, I, I, the, the one thing I've, I, I failed to ask him, and that's shame on me, he brought it up about the safeties being out. One injured, Fitzpatrick, the other, or two injured, and then the other suspended for the season in KZ. But this is just something so foreign. I can only imagine what it's like in Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, everybody knows they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. And for me, that's a big deal if I'm a fan. I, I mean, I remember, and look, I always – Give all the credit in the world to what Marvin Lewis meant to this franchise in the Bengals. This guy cleaned up a sinking ship from, not a sinking ship, a sunken ship from the bottom of the, the depths of the ocean floor, what Marvin Lewis did for this team. But there came a point in time there where you're getting to the playoffs, you get beat. You get to play, you get beat. You get to play, beat, beat. Right. And I can't remember which year it was when, when they, for the first time, had had a bad year. And they brought Marvin back. And I think that, that a lot of Bengals fans were like, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, okay, all the playoff stuff, rebuilding a franchise, putting pieces in place, drafting well, A.J. Green and Dalton, taking a flyer on perfect, all these kinds of things but still failing in home games in the playoffs against the likes of the Texans and teams like that, right? Right. Chargers. When they brought Marvin back, a lot of people around here, and I'm not going to speak for a lot of people, but for me, I just said to myself, you know, they, they are definitely not trying. And that's not a knock on Marvin because he, he had proven what he could do. And I just scratch my head even today. When I look at guys like Brandon Staley, and I look at, I could pick seven, eight, ten other coaches in the league who've been hired in the last three or four years. And you say to yourself, you mean to tell me you're going to hire that guy instead of giving Marvin Lewis a chance to come in to your franchise 
and run the thing from the ground up starting right now, I'd hire that guy in a heartbeat. I think in a heartbeat. I think everyone in Cincinnati understands, even the biggest Marvin Lewis detractors recognize what he did. As you mentioned, the, the Bengals were a laughing stock. They were they were the worst franchise the worst. for a decade. For more than a decade before Marvin came in. And what's he doing his first year? Five hundred. What's he doing his second year? 500, third year, they're in the postseason, they win the division. And then from there on out, they, they were a good team. Everyone in Cincinnati knows how good of a coach Marvin Lewis is. Yep. And I think even a lot of owners and GMs and the people that, that are in charge of hiring head coaches know how good of a coach Marvin Lewis is. But he's got so much baggage because of how things played out here in Cincinnati. Listen, we, we, we know how important, quote-unquote, winning – the press conference is, right? You got to have the sexy hire. Yep. You got to have the hire that everybody wants. Nobody's going to be – no one's knocking on the door of Marvin Lewis and going, hey, we want, we need you to be the next head coach. That That's saved for the Jim Harbaugh's and the young offensive coordinator. That's saved for all of them. But we know in, here in Cincinnati that if, if someone did give Marvin Lewis a shot, they would be – you know, a, a team that is at the bottom of the pack, he'd have them in the, he'd have them soaring. No doubt. Sooner rather than later. No doubt. But like I said, teams are so worried about what their fan base thinks, and rightfully so, right? They they, they pay the money, they they, they go to the games. You, you should care about what your fan base thinks, but we know that that that's just not going to win a press conference. For that reason, Marvin Lewis wrongly will never get another shot to to be a head coach. I just I I still say to myself, if I'm a young general manager. Or I'm an owner, but especially if I'm a young GM. And I say to myself, okay, you know, you get hired for these jobs to get fired. Coaches, GMs, whole night. That's just the name of the game, and they're all in it, and they all get it, and they all understand it. Every single one of them across the board. All right? If you're going to take a chance of hiring a head coach, wouldn't you want to hire a guy that's done it? Granted, he may not win that press conference. You're spot on. Right. But he can also sit in that press conference and say, well, you know, uh, I took over a team in Cincinnati that had won 25 games in the prior six years, whatever it was, right? right. And we became a playoff team seven of the next 10 seasons. Now, we didn't win in the playoffs, but we built a sustainable, solid, competitive team. That's a guy I'd rather hire than... I mean, pick any number of names around the National Football League. I mean, come on. There's some guys out there. You're just saying to yourself, I, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I don't even know who the – normally this time of year we're talking about who the next offensive coordinator is that's going to get hired. I haven't heard any. Well, this any. year this year has been really, really tricky because it's been one of the lowest scoring seasons in the last 10 years. Well, isn't that a lot because of backup? I mean, the scoring was down. But, I mean, as we continue to go yeah, and go I mean, and go, you're playing backup quarterbacks, backup to the backup quarterbacks, yeah, right? You, yeah, you might be onto something there. It might have something to do with the injuries. But, like, this year the, the coaching carousel is very barren. And it's, the, it's the, top, the top coach is Harbaugh. It's Harbaugh. But, that's I, it. And that's it. I think that's the only coach that people are really looking at as a guy that can really – take a team and really improve it um before we move on with the marvin lewis thing i'm gonna just hype him up just a tiny bit more because when you think about what he did like where's andy dalton right now he, he's a backup i mean he he was probably always a backup 
You think no, about the you think about no. the players that Randy he got from. Dalton was better than a backup when he came into the Tom, league. I mean, Tom, come on, everyone his first wanted, five years he led him to the playoffs. Right, but would you say that that was more of a team effort? Or was that Andy Dalton? I think it was both. I think it was more of a team effort. And you think about the players that Marvin Lewis grabbed from the scrap heap, like a Vontez. That's right. Like a Pac Man. Yeah. And made that work. I think he deserves a lot of credit. I agree. I agree. And people around here, and look, I was as guilty as anybody, but that got in a long-winded way, and we've kind of circled around this whole thing. But it does get you to a point where if you're a Steeler fan, you can love Mike Tomlin and love what he's all about. But when you have not won a playoff game since 2016, and not only have they not won a playoff game since 2016, they have become really an afterthought inside of their own division now. You're not scared of the Steelers anymore. Well, I mean, you know, it used to be Steelers, Ravens, and the Browns and the Bengals in any particular given year order. They were a distant, I mean, just nobody. Browns nothing, never thought. Right, right, game. forever. But now, I mean, let's be honest about it here. The, the, the Bengals and the Ravens, the Ravens have maintained that excellence, mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and the Bengals, this huge rise, as we all know, back-to-back -back AFC championship games, back-to-back -back division titles, uh, and all of that comes when you get, you know, the picks that they had in the draft from being bad, which the Steelers have not had, in fairness, because they're always at 500 or better. Uh, but now all of a sudden, you know, you, you look at the Browns. I mean, the Browns are clearly a much better team than the Steelers. They're, they are. And so, you know, look, regardless of what happens tomorrow, the Bengals are a franchise on the rise. The Ravens have maintained excellence. The Browns are a franchise on the rise. They really are. They're a franchise on the rise. They have really good players. And they've got a good coach, I think. they got a good coach. Uh, perfect coach, no. There's no such thing. But... I found it very interesting in that interview where he talked about, you know, and you wonder where it comes from, whether it's his idea or whether it's something that's out there that he's heard about. And that would be a trade with Mike Tomlin. Yeah. That's not unprecedented. No. Because Tomlin is showing no signs of wanting to get out of the game. Now, I don't know the guy. He's but he's not showing any signs of wanting to slow down. I mean, it's happened before. It's happened before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Sean Payton Sean traded Payton from the New traded. Orleans Saints? Mike Didka was traded, right? Like Sean Payton, Mike Didka, Gruden was traded. Yep. So these are all names that have, that have been traded. Look, Mike Tomlin's still young. He's of 50, course he is. He's 51 years old. He wants to coach, and he's still a dang good coach. Now, thinking about it in today's age, the day and age, I don't know who would want a, you know, a defensive-minded coach. Certainly it would be a team that is probably a little more established, like – as we, as I've mentioned before, if you've got a young quarterback, you probably don't want to bring a defensive guy into that situation. You probably want a team that that just needs a little something, just needs yep. a little jolt to get going. I don't know. I mean, we, we could start here speculating what teams would would be good with Mike Tomlin. I, I don't know what that looks like, but um, well, take the Bears for example. They got the number one pick in the draft. I, I, I'm I'm leaning. So if the if the plan is to stay with Justin Fields. If the plan is to stay with Justin Fields, then I don't hate them taking Mike Tomlin. If the plan is, and in my plan, if I was the Chicago Bears, would be to trade Justin Fields, see if you can get a first-round pick for him, 
and then build around Caleb Williams and, and start fresh with an offensive coordinator, then Mike Tomlin wouldn't fit that that situation. But if the plan is to, to, to ride out Justin Fields, who is showing slight, very slight improvements over the past two years, then, then yeah, Mike Tomlin would, would make sense there. And, and, also, and on top of that, talk about like the Bears have always been this hard-nosed yep. team, right? They've always, they've always proud of them, pride themselves on their defense. Mike Tomlin fits that mold. He'd fit right in with the Chicago Bears mentality. But you, but before we keep talking, you look. You're talking about how the the Browns have always been an afterthought. I just looked this up. The Pittsburgh Steelers, since the creation of the AFC North and its current iteration with the four teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers have never finished behind the Cleveland Browns yeah. in division standings. They will this year, obviously. They will this year. Yeah, and the, a lot of that, of course, had to do with Big Ben. The one thing before we move on with this trade conversation, Sean Payton was traded for. The Saints 2024 20, third round pick and the Broncos traded the first round and the second round pick for Sean Payton. So the Broncos just said we don't need picks. Yeah, I mean, like that would be that'd be a crazy like I if it was the Bears, they could do it. They've got multiple first round picks, but they don't have a second. Uh, they keep trading away in that second round pick. That's worked out for them, I would say, so far with that uh, trade this year, but yeah, that would be an interesting interesting thought for them to trade away Mike Tomlin because, I mean, it would be two years in a row where we're having coaches, very relevant, prevalent coaches be traded. Yeah. Well, uh, the other part about that, and it got my attention, I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. uh, is when we asked him the question, you know, do you expect the Steelers to, to show up tomorrow? And it seems like more times than not when they play the Bengals, they show up. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot on the line for this franchise because of all the things going on. Uh, they're at home. They, they, they've got fans on their tail. They got, they got media on their tail. They got dissension in the locker room. Uh, they got a lot going on. Can they find, they got injuries all over the place. Can, you know, will they suck it up and just play Steeler football tomorrow and literally turn around? We saw a game two weeks ago where the Buffalo Bills ran the ball 49 times against the Dallas Cowboys. I, that's what I expect from the Steelers tomorrow. You know, I just five minutes ago, I said, no, one, no one's really worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. But <laughs> I take that and I say, I'm worried about it. Because, listen, when have the Steelers been embarrassed like they have over the past three weeks? They were 7-4. and four. Yep playing two of the three worst teams in the league in the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots. Loss. Loss. All right, postseason hope's still alive. You play another postseason contender in the Indianapolis Colts. Embarrassed. And now they come home against a backup quarterback and and Jake Browning, and the the Bengals are playing great football over the last three weeks. This has every, every recipe to just be a disaster for the Bengals and be an absolutely a game that, that Mike Tomlin gets his team ready to play. And, and you want to talk about, I mean, you, you're talking to uh, the Steelers guy earlier saying this is a game that everyone's looking at because this feels like a game that Mike Tomlin should win, right? This feels like a game that Mike Tomlin would get his team ready to play, uh, like I said, against a backup quarterback at home. This should be a game that, that the Steelers of old always win, regardless of who they throw out on the field. Whether it's Mason Rudolph, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's Mitch Trubisky, whether it's uh, whoever. This feels like a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers always win. And if they don't win, 
it is an indication of things are actually going south over there in Pittsburgh. I love Brian B's uh, comment here in the chat. He said, bottom line is, if the Bengals lose twice to this Pittsburgh Steelers team, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. That's That's a fact. That's fair. That's a fact. I agree with that statement. You you cannot lose if you're the Bengals. And you can say, well, that's not fair. They got a backup quarterback. Come on. Come on. We talk about how expectations can get in the way of our joy at times, right? And for what these last three weeks have looked like, there's been a lot of joy in and around the town when it looked dismal as we got into it length yesterday. But now, whole new ballgame. Now you're rolling into Pittsburgh and all those things we just talked about. And all that's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, for Zach Taylor and his team, They've got their own issues. No DJ Reader. They've not been great against a run. They're asking some guys to step up and replace Reader. We'll see how they do. Um, their offense is, you know, they, they, the offense did not look good for three quarters last week. It did not. The first time since Browning has taken over, they were unbelievable well, in the fourth. 24 Steelers points, fourth time. quarter in OT. You got to win this game. And, and for Zach Taylor, for all the pressure for really – uh, another set of reasons for Mike Tomlin. There is as much pressure, in my opinion, on Zach Taylor this week that he better have his guys ready to play. That Tom, you remember what we talked about before they played the Steelers the first time? Is like we know exactly what we're going to see for the rest of this year in the first half against the Steelers. Obviously, that was wrong because they, they didn't look very good for the first half. And since that game against the Steelers, they've looked fantastic. Listen, we in, in the 16 quarters that Jake Browning has played, since becoming the starting quarterback with Joe Burrow down, he's played he's played great in eight of them. Eight of them, it's been it's been more of the same, and that's been the the inconsistency that we saw with Joe Burrow. That's been the inconsistency that has marred the Bengals for for three seasons now, really. But yeah, you mentioned what if they lose to the Steelers, they don't deserve to make the postseason. Can you imagine if the Bengals lose to the Steelers? They're zero and five in the division. They beat the Chiefs, beat the Browns, sneak in. Would they be the first team ever to make the postseason with a 1-5 division record? They've if they be- lose to the Steelers, you're not getting a playoff. Correct. Probably we not. We know that. Probably not. But there is still a path that if they go 10-7, and seven, beating the Chiefs there and beating is. the Browns, you're right. you're they right. will be 1-5 in, in the division. They'd have to be the first team to ever go 1-5 in, in their division to make the postseason. Would have to be the first team. I mean, just see, imagine, imagine the set of, imagine the set of questions. If, if we're sitting here on Sunday uh, or Saturday night, tomorrow night, imagine the set of questions that could be directed at Zach Taylor if they lose this game. Owen five in your division. Yeah, uh, that's not good. I mean, that's not good. It's not good. I mean, for what it's for what I it's, think they're going to win the game. I don't want anybody to yeah. misunderstand me here. They're a better team. I think they're going to win the game. Taylor has done an excellent job in keeping this thing together instead of going off the rails. He's done an excellent job. But having said all that, and you can have it both ways. You can you can have all those things and say say it about Taylor and this team. But you can also say they damn sure better win tomorrow. Right, and you know. The old adage or the old the old saying is you gotta beat your division in order to to make it further as as a as a team. Like you gotta beat your division first, then you win your games, then you get to the playoffs, so on and so forth. This year, I mean, if they go 0 and five or 0 and six, I mean that is that's a bad sign for future stuff. Inexcusable, right? 0 and six is inexcusable. 
but I'll give an excuse. <laughs> um, they will play all six games against the best division in football, right? It's I think yep, I think it's hard to argue fair. that there's a better division in football. Everybody's five hundred or better. Correct. And the Bengals will not play a single division game with a healthy Joe Burrow. The first two games, banged up Joe Burrow. Browns, Ravens. Their third game that they play is against the, the Ravens. Joe Burrow goes down in the second quarter. The fourth division game they play is the first start of Jake Browning. Obviously, Drake Browning here and Jake Browning for the final week, hopefully. Unless Jake Browning gets hurt, then we're rocking with A.J. McCarron. So, in an inexcusable thing that, that is a possibility of going 0-6, there is an excuse, which is they didn't have their starting quarterback at full go for any of those games. All that being said, a good coach wins at least one of those. And I and, and I think Zach Tyler, Zach Taylor, um, hatred in this city is a little tired at this point. I think it's a little tired. I don't think anybody hates Zach Taylor. Not, I guess I guess it's the flag Nobody. that he catches. The, the, they just the don't like him at times as a play caller. They like him as a head coach word. very much. I use the wrong word, but people call for Zach Taylor's job more often than not. And you know, he's 3-1 and one with, with Jake Browning. So if you're not going to give Zach Taylor credit here and now for what they've done to this point, and listen, a lot of things can change for the next three weeks, but if Zach Taylor gets this team into the postseason and you're still having questions about Zach Taylor, you're still not sold on him, then you'll probably never be sold on him. Right. In all seriousness. Like, if, if Zach Taylor gets this team into the postseason with Jake Browning, with the injuries that, that Joe Burrow persisted earlier in the year, with the way that they've played, if he gets them into the postseason and we're still having questions about Zach Taylor, then the people asking those questions are never going to be sold on Zach Taylor. Well, that's true. They, just, they just never will right. be. So it's it's not even worth arguing with them at that point because they'll just never be the case. They'll, they'll, they'll never be sold on Zach Taylor. Right. They'll never well, change their mind. Yeah, I, I have a question for you, Tom. Would you Where would you rank Zach Taylor out of the 32 head coaches in the NFL? Because he's definitely, in my opinion, top 16. Oh, without and then, a doubt. And then, and then I would even go as far to say he's probably like a top 10 coach. I, I, I would go along with that. And then if that's the case, like you, we should probably calm down on the hatred. The because issue, there's no hatred here. Nobody hates Zach Taylor. Hate, well, hate, could, hate is the wrong how word. Could hate you was not, the wrong I mean, word. all right, well, nobody dislikes Zach. How could you dislike well, how could you, that guy? How could you call for his job, I guess? No, no, no. That, I think the, what they're calling for and what I have called for at times is stop being the play caller. That's the only thing. If Zach Taylor were an offensive coordinator, his job would be very much in jeopardy. If he would were it? just the offensive coordinator would of the though? Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, they would. You could just look at their rankings. I mean, look at their rankings. And you can blame whatever you want to blame. But their rankings are what they are. They're one of the, the worst rushing teams in the league. They're one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. They are one of the worst offensive teams in the league. They are what they are. So that is the issue that people have with Taylor is that as, as what's the thing that stands out in your mind? And unfortunately, it's society we live in today, right? Okay, but this is true. What do we remember most about that game last week? Was it the 21 points in the third quarter and the field goal? Or was it? The third down asking Tanner Hudson well, to throw it, a pass on third and a yard. Well, it's ridiculous. It a, and he does it at least once every single game. 
where it's almost like you're trying to be the smartest guy in the room. So why not just turn around? You saw his own running back's reaction. On third and one, turn around and hand the ball off to Joe Mixon. Would you say that? Tanner Hudson throwing a pass is a beautiful play call. Yeah. Would you say that if you took away some of those boneheaded decisions, right? Yes. Like the the shovel pass that That, the Ravens uh, uh, bring up. Morgan Stanley. Yeah, Stanley Morgan. And and the Tanner Hudson and, and all these other boneheaded calls. Would he be a top five head coach? What do you think, Tom? What where where would he be at in your mind? Because uh, of a head coach, well, or as an he, offensive as, coordinator, as his job, as his job currently stands, in my opinion, he he's a top ten coach. I'm just going to put I, it like I've that. I've already so, admitted that. So he's a top ten coach, being an offensive play caller as well. So if you took away those those boneheaded play calls, yeah, I think he he's a really really good coach in that in that same breath, but. Being a top ten coach, I mean, you're not going to get anything better than that. I, I believe so me, I, you. You are you are not understanding and what the, I am the saying stats, here. The stats too saying, are getting better and better each week. Well, of course, they're getting better and better each week. I mean, that's a fact. They've done, and and I have conceded they have done an excellent, jo- phenomenal job with this whole thing since Burrow went down. I'm all on board. I'm not. I don't want anybody to walk away from the show today thinking that I'm sitting here beating down Zach Taylor. I've said regularly for the last three weeks, he has done an incredible job. Okay. Okay. No doubt about it. But, I mean, when you want to start walking through coaches, I mean, you know, I mean, we could play that drill, but, I mean, it doesn't make seem like it makes any sense. I mean, but, but whether you're talking about, you know, uh, the guy in Philly, the guy in San Francisco, the guy in Dallas, Mike McCarthy doesn't get Mike credit McCarthy. either. Mike, Mike McCarthy's pretty doggone good. That's what I'm saying. I agree. Yeah, Mike I mean, McCarthy come on. Doesn't the guy credit. with the Rams, right? Jump. Pete Carroll. Okay. Uh, Pete Carroll. Now, all of a sudden, you start getting into Baltimore and Kansas City. The guy in Jacksonville. He's won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. I mean, there are a lot of guys out there you start saying, okay. But I agree with you. Let- Zach Taylor is top ten coach right now in the National Football League. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what what it comes down to in the rankings. I just know that the voices when they're detracting from Zach Taylor are a lot louder than when there should be praise sung for him, and there should yeah. be praise sung for him for what he's done over the last three weeks. But you guys are acting like there's not that praise out there. Who's we giving just it to got him? finished. Everybody has given him praise these last three weeks around the league. You watch Good Morning NFL, the foot Peter Schrager in that group. Everybody in the league has talked up Zach. There's some like paranoia here in Cincinnati that's been going on for like 70 years, worried about what what's the national media saying? Of, oh my God, if Keyshawn Johnson doesn't talk about Jake Browning, then oh, it's just terrible. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? Go win the games. Zach Taylor has gotten incredible credit from inside his own city to, to all over the National Football League for the job that he has done as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and even more so lately because he didn't have Joe Burrow. The easiest thing in the world for a lot of people would be, well, golly day. 
How are you not a great coach? You got Joe Burrow. You got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. You got Tyler Boyd. You got Joe Mixon. How are you not a good coach? He has gotten a lot of credit these last three weeks for what he's done. So I don't we, know why you guys have this perceived I was like, say. a dislike for Zach Taylor out there. Do you, nobody around this town walks around and says Zach Taylor should not be the coach of this team. Nobody says that. So we're making you read that up. one person in the media or one sports talk show host. Have you heard one guy in this town call for Zach Taylor to be fired as the head Cincinnati Bengals head coach? Do it, Reed. He sits right by you, doesn't he? Elliot, yeah, Elliot, Elliot, <laughs> Elliot certainly has. You know, know what I'm no, saying. No, listen, listen. I, we're not yeah, making this absurd. up. So, so you're saying that it's we're absurd. paranoid. So you're saying we're paranoid. We're like we're making this up that that when we hear, I we am waiting for you flag. to tell me if you're asking me, are you making this up? Yes, you are making it up. Unless you can tell me of one legitimate source or person with half a brain in this town that you have heard or read that said Zach Taylor should be fired as head coach of the Cincinnati Bank. There is not one person with half a brain that has said that in this town. We, I mean, we talked after they lost to the Steelers. We were talking about if, if we should go get Jim Harbaugh, if we should go get I, I don't, Who said that? This show did, I, I've huh? never, I've never talked about one time while I've been sitting in this chair, not one time, have the words Jim Harbaugh, coach Cincinnati Bengals, ever come out of my mouth? Not one that is time. Fair. That's fair. Would, I knew they wouldn't come. But listen, Tom, we're not making this up. You think we're just like paranoid? You think we're just like sitting around being like, ah, someone's, someone like there's voices in our head saying someone's talking bad about Zach Taylor again. It's because it's what we see. Every it's time a, that something a, goes wrong, it's the head. It, it, it's Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor. And I'm just saying here, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan with my ear to the floor, with my ear to the X.com that sees a lot of things that are said about this, my, my beloved football team, I feel like the detractors of Zach Taylor are way louder, way louder than the praises for him. Yeah, and you are right about the national media. The national media gives Zach Taylor a lot of credit because they see the stuff from from a six mile up view, they see that with with a banged up, they see that they took a, a Bengals team to the Super Bowl, back to the AFC Championship game, and when Joe Burrow goes down, they're three and one with their backup quarterback. That's right. Those are all things from six miles up that look fantastic yep. for a head coach. But here, where we got a little bit more of a microscope on them, here in this town, I still feel like there's a lot yeah, of people. But- that, that just detract from him. And as I said 10 minutes ago, I'll say it again right now, that if Zach Taylor gets to the playoffs with Jake Browning and you are still having, if you're a fan, if you're a media member and you're still having the questions in your head, I'm not sure if Zach Taylor's the head coach or should be the head coach of this team going forward, then your mind will never be made up on it. I right. don't and think, I think we're not separating me, this, fellas. We're not separating me, this. We have people, including me, that have had legitimate questions about Zach Taylor's play-calling ability. There has not been anyone who has questioned the job, the culture, the environment, the focus, the attention to detail that he and his staff, Anarumo, Callahan, 
all Simmons that they've all done with Zach Taylor as the head coach. There are no issues in the locker room. You don't read diva stuff. I mean, you know, Chase, Jamar Chase came out early and says, I'm always effing open. There's nothing wrong with that. But you, you don't see this stuff going on like it's going on in Pittsburgh right now. The issue with Zach Taylor has been only one thing. His play call. But that's half of his job, though, Tom. So that that's where I think the disconnect is. Is we're, we're trying to say, like, yeah, he's a great head coach, but he's a terrible play caller. Well, that's half his job. That's what he's mainly doing on the sidelines is calling half of the game. <laughs> so when Reed says that there's a large portion of the fan base that does not give Zach Taylor a lot of credit, says that they want his job, I think – they're basically he, – he's right that there's people that are calling for him to be fired from play-calling duties. But in doing so, you're saying that he can no longer be the, the, the head coach for, for the most part because telling a head coach, hey, we're tired of you calling plays. We want you to give it over to Brian Callahan. And he says probably – well, I mean – no, because I've been doing it up to this point. I've gotten to a Super Bowl. I've been, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's – you got to give him credit for where he's gotten us to this point. He's been calling plays where all are you? Along. This is what – I mean, you guys continue to say, where do you give him credit? I have done nothing but give him credit as head coach of this team. But you're not giving him credit as a play caller either. I, I, I'm not, because when I look at all of the weapons and I say to myself, where are the numbers that back it up? Where are the numbers that back it up? Where are the numbers in nut-cutting time in the biggest games you play in when you can't get a first down and you can't kick a field goal? And you got arguably the best quarterback on the planet. I'm just saying. I, I think that it would take some responsibility off of him and look, there are too many other examples out there of guys that have realized how hard it is. There are just too many other examples out there of guys that have had incredible success in this league. Now, there also are examples of success of guys who have continued to be a good play caller. So is our buddy Jay Morrison, the pride of Ohio University, ready to go? Yes, he is. From Pro Football Talk. We appreciate, we, we reached out to Jay uh, late today, and we appreciate his willingness before he Heads off to Pittsburgh. Jay, are you driving over to Pittsburgh? Because it's damn near impossible to fly to Pittsburgh anymore, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm driving. It's not bad. It's a four no. and a half hour drive. And so the drive there won't be bad. The drive home from like midnight to 4 a.m. Uh, tomorrow night, get back at Christmas Eve. That may not be as fun, but uh, I, I don't I, You're right. It's much better than flying. No doubt about it. And I've made that drive at uh, midnight many, many times after baseball mm -hmm. games and trying to get back here to Cincinnati. And that's a long, long, lonely drive. I hope you have company. You're not doing it by yourself, are you? Yeah, Paul Daner's riding with me. So okay, he'll, he'll, he'll keep me laughing. He'll keep me awake. Okay. Hey, we were just sitting here getting into some of this Zach Taylor stuff. And, 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 and you know, I'm kind of curious. I, I've maintained all along that, that, you know, what they've done the last three weeks where they've really sort of changed their identity in many ways, forced to with a backup quarterback stepping in there, they're running the ball more. I think Zach Taylor is getting a lot of credit both locally and nationally uh, than maybe he's ever had at any other time when you had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all these guys where people say, hey, well, if you can't win with those guys, you know, 
who are you going to win with? Uh, do you get that feeling, or, or do you think that, that they, they're, they're, there's still a significant number of those out there, whether it's in the media or the fan base, that still wonder about Zach Taylor? Yeah, I think the the critics have gone quiet, but I don't think they've changed their mind. I think they're just waiting for the next uh, the next loss to happen to to go back and hammer him. But honestly, I think, I mean, he's not going to win it. If they make the playoffs, he definitely should be getting some votes for coach of the year to, yep. to be able to do this with a backup quarterback, to be able to manage the Burrow injury early in the year, the calf the way they did, and come through that still alive, and then playing really good football before he got hurt again. Um, he, he's, yeah, he's done a really good job this year. And you think about it, the year they went to the Super Bowl, he didn't get a single vote for, for coach of the year. And, and that's, I think what you said, a lot of people think he's just, it's just Joe Burrow carrying him along. And you can't say that now with Jake Browning running the show. You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I maintain that the, 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 the portion of the fan base that goes sour on Zach Taylor is not as Zach Taylor, the head coach. It's as Zach Taylor, the play caller. You agree with that or disagree with that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's that's people's biggest beef. You can't you can't argue with what what he's done to turn this franchise around and and the the attention that they put on culture and it's not lip service. They draft and they sign guys that love football. They know exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, they want great players, but it's it's way more than that. It's the makeup of the man that they're really going after. And his fingerprints are all over that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, the play calling is the big issue. I think what a lot of what gets lost a lot is they run a lot of RPO. And people, you know, it's, it's Burrow making the call at the line, whether he's going to run or he's going to pass, and and it doesn't work, and everybody goes back on Zach and, and says that was a terrible play call. Or it's it's third and 15, and they throw short of the sticks because you're in a position where you can't take a turnover. So it's like just take the check down, and people are screaming, why would you throw short of the sticks? It's not the, it's not the call he played. It's just the smart play once the play develops. And the other thing is it's – Zach, he, Zach's kind of like Mike Brown, where, you know, there's a lot of other voices involved with the organization and Mike has final say. It's the same thing with the play calling. Zach pointed out that third and 21 when they hit Jamar Chase for 24 yards uh, at Minnesota to, to continue the drive mm -hmm. that tied the game. That was Dan Pitcher, the, the quarterback's coach, calling that play, said, let's run this. Now, Zach could have said no and gone a different way, but but he said, yeah, that's that's a great call. They went with it. Browning made an incredible throw. So it's it, it, it's not he's not a dictator in terms of play calling. I think where people get frustrated is it's it's not creative. It's not flashy. There's not all the the wild motion that's so popular in the league now. And it's just it's just not his philosophy. He's he, he's he's always said we're not going to do motion just to do motion. There has to be a point to every single thing you do. And they just feel better, and, and Burrow feels better without all that going on. He wants it calm and still so he can read the defense. So there, there's a lot that, that kind of goes into it, and I think you you just have to kind of look at the results. And if they're winning games and they're getting in the playoffs, you, I think you kind of have to live with them as a play caller. Yeah, Yeah. okay. All right, fair enough. Um, we just had Mike DeFabo on from The Athletic, who, of course, covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about – 
you know, so many things that we're so unaccustomed to seeing going on in Pittsburgh. Uh, now, Mike Tomlin, well documented, never had a losing season, but there are cracks everywhere. I mean, whether it's firing an offensive coordinator during the season, no offense all year long, injuries now to their current defense, which has been so good, issues with George Pickens, all of these things going on. He felt like if there was ever a game the Steelers better show up to play for the fan base and everybody else, that tomorrow is it. You believe that? Yeah, I think it, it's kind. Of, this is a game that will kind of define whether Tomlin still has that locker room. You know, they're, they're, you mentioned the fracture with George Pickens. That's not Pitts. I mean, I'm not going to block because I don't want to get hurt. I think. If you were to power rank the 32 teams that a wide receiver said that, I'd have Steelers at 32 out of 32. It's just, it's crazy. And we've seen this before. You mentioned it. Tomlin has never had a losing record at the end of the year. He's had losing records in December quite a bit. And this is when they turn it on. And when their backs are against the wall, or even if it's in a spoiler role where they're out of it, that team never quits. There's They fight to the end and they play Steeler football to the end. And you're just not seeing it right now. I don't know if they move on from him. If they lose these next three, I think you have to. If they end the year on a six-game losing streak, if they win the next three and, and get to 10-7, and seven, whether they get in the playoffs or not, I think you, you keep Tomlin around, and this is the pivot game. I mean, the, the, this their season could go totally south if they don't beat the Bengals, and if they find a way to beat the Bengals and, and re-energize themselves and put themselves right back in the playoff picture, I could see them going on a run and finishing 3-0 and and, and maybe upsetting someone in the playoffs. All right, well, if that can be said, and certainly no one around here uh, is likening the current situation as far as job security is concerned between Zach Taylor and Mike Tomlin. But having said that, um, you know, the, the, the Bengals, the last the game they lost was against the Steelers team. In fairness, it was Jake Browning's first time. They didn't run the ball. I think running backs had eight carries in the game. Uh, do you foresee a, a, a very, very different Cincinnati offense in terms of scheming and game planning than we saw in Browning's first start four weeks ago. Yeah, I do. I, we're not going to see the bootlegs that they've leaned on so much. You just don't want to do that against Pittsburgh. You don't want your quarterback spinning out, and then there's T.J. Watt or Alonzo Hindsmith uh, waiting on him. So that, I don't think you're going to see that part of it. But you know, since that first game, they've really leaned into the run, and they've really leaned into the screen game. And, and I don't know – it, Pittsburgh's just so hard to run on, especially under center. That's another thing where they've gone under center a lot and done play action. I just I don't think you're going to see that a lot on Saturday because when you go under center against Pittsburgh, those linebackers cheat up and it, they make it really hard to run the ball. So I, I think you're gonna you're gonna see more of what we we started to see with the screen game, um, throwing it out to Chase Brown, throwing it out to Joe Mixon, getting the tight ends involved. Um, that part of it, I think you're going to see more of. And I think you're going to, we, you know, it was kind of a conservative approach, whether it was the play calling from Zach or whether it was Jake Browning just not willing to take a lot of shots in that first start against Pittsburgh. He's fearless now. I mean, he yeah. will, he will throw the ball into tight windows. He'll take shots down the field, sometimes to his detriment. I mean, he kind of, that was kind of a panic throw, that interception against Minnesota. I think he learned a lesson from that. So, I think you're going to see them run the ball more. It'd be hard to run it less than eight eight handoffs that they had in that first game. And and part of that, too, is they only had 42 snaps in that game. They just couldn't get yeah. in a rhythm. And I, I think that's what they've really done a good job with Jake Browning with these screens is 
is letting him get some early completions and, and get in a, a rhythm and get on a roll and kind of like a shooter, seeing the ball go through the net a couple times and then the confidence builds. So I, I think you're going to see them possess the ball more, not have all these three and outs. I still don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game, uh, but they're, they're, it's going to look different than the first Pittsburgh game, but it's also going to look different than what we've seen the last couple of weeks because I just I can't imagine we're going to see too many, if any, bootlegs, which is what's really been a big part of Jake Browning's game. Will will the will the third receiver slot you think Jay be really a mix and match depending on down yeah. and distance and situation uh, with Chase out? Yeah, I, I really think it will. Um, it's interesting because you know last year w when Chase was out, Trenton Irwin really stepped up and he's been pretty quiet here yeah. recently. Even last week, they they had eleven receivers catch a pass. That was one shy of the NFL record, and Irwin didn't have any. They had nine guys catch two passes which was one shy of the nfl record so it, it was it's kind of strange that trent Irwin was not involved i, I think we're going to see a lot of andre yoshivas um the rookie from pittsburgh or from princeton um he's he's really come on and, and and built some trust and he's not making a ton of catches but they like what he's doing um you saw jake browning take the deep shot for charlie jones maybe we see some more of that this week and then i think you're really going to see him lean into the tight ends uh, with with it primarily Tanner Hudson, I, I think he's just he has really come on and and supplanted Irv Smith as the primary receiving option among those tight ends. Well, I would highly recommend uh, everybody uh, read your uh, story that just posted a little while ago about you know really who to root for. This whole thing to me, I mean, <laughs> your eyes can start rolling around in the back of your head, you know, because of. Yeah, well, you didn't play this team, and, but and if there's more than two teams, the head-to-head -head thing goes out the window, and there's another. So you you laid it out there beautifully. At the end of the day, because you said really it it, it could go either way. At the end of the day, are you rooting for the Browns or the Texans? I think you, you have to root for the Texans um, because if if, you, if the Texans win that game first of all, and then the Bengals can handle business, then the Bengals and Browns have the same record, and they've got that Week 18 match. So the Bengals can just go ahead and move right ahead of the Browns in that game. The other reason is you want the Texans to win the AFC South because the Texans have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker on the Bengals, whereas the Colts and the Jaguars do not. The Bengals beat right. them. So that's what you want. If you want to get into a tiebreaker situation with teams that you've beaten because the Bengals – if if head to head doesn't apply, it goes to conference record. And right now, the Bengals are three and six in the conference. And if they win out, then it's it's a little bit better. They've got a shot. But the way it stands now, they don't want to be in a tie break or situation where where they're either against guys, teams that they they lost to, or teams that they didn't play at all, which forces it down into the the conference record. Because in order for head to head to apply, you have to have beaten every other team in the tie or lost every other team in the tie. Um, to either be advanced or to be taken out. And the Bengals have not played the Broncos. They do not play the Broncos. So if the Broncos get into that mix where it's a, a, a jumbled tiebreaker, that's not good for the Bengals. And same with the Texans. So root for the Texans to win out, root okay. for the Jaguars and the Colts to lose at least one more. And I think the Bengals will be in good shape. Okay. Jay, we thank you for your time. Safe travels, my friend, to Thanks. and fro Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Jay Morrison, kind enough to join us. Pro Football Talk. That's a really good column today that he wrote. All this stuff is great. Has been forever. But um, that one really lays it out for you. Because, like I said, maybe some of you, I mean, you know, look, I'm not the, the sharpest tool in the shed. I have a hard time. I mean, he just laid out to me. Here, I've been thinking all along I ought to be rooting for, you know, the Texans to lose.
mm-hmm. when really you, you, you take three steps back and you say, okay, you still have a chance to leapfrog Cleveland, right? right? right. Controlling that yourself. So root for the Texans, strangely enough, to go ahead and win, win that division, right? right. And you leapfrog the Brownies. Yeah, I mean, in, in his scenario, it meant that we would have to win out in order to yes, leapfrog them. Yes. That being said, I think many people already have given the Bengals maybe that, that loss against the Chiefs or just a loss somewhere on this schedule. And that's why we wanted the, the, the Houston to lose. So, I mean, in one respect, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I don't know. I mean, maybe he really thinks that they can go undefeated the rest of the way. I think that would be a, a lot to ask, but. You mean the Bengals to go undefeated? The Bengals to go yeah, undefeated. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are your thoughts, Tom? Would you ra- what do you think is more likely, the Bengals to go undefeated or them go drop one here in the next three weeks? Look, the, the, the Kansas City thing is a tough, is a <laughs> tough, tough ask, man. That's tough sledding. No, I mean, they're Kansas City. They're the Chiefs. And I know the Bengals with Joe Burrow and company have played very well there in the whole Burrowhead thing. I don't think by any means it's impossible to think that the Bengals could beat the Chiefs. I really don't. If you'd asked me that question maybe six, seven weeks ago, uh, or even four weeks ago when Burrow went down, even with Burrow, I, I'm not sure they went. But, but the, the, the Chiefs just aren't as good. They really aren't as good as they've been. Now, could they get it together the last three weeks and just steamroll right into another AFC championship game and win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. They got the best quarterback on the planet. They got the best tight end on the planet. They got one of the best coaches on the planet. And their defense is better than it's been during this entire run that they've had, where they've been to two Super Bowl or been to three Super Bowls and won two of them in the last handful of years. So it's possible. But the eye test says to me, when I watch Kansas City, that they are not the same team. I think the Bengals can beat them. Don't you? I, so I've been going back and forth on this. My one issue with this is that the Bengals on defense, man, that they just give up yards to teams that they shouldn't. Um, like, the, like the Kenny Pickett game yep. here recently. Yep. I mean – Nick Mullins, yep. and yes, Patrick Mahomes has struggled on offense, but do you really think that the Bengals are going to hold that offense like against Patrick Mahomes? But I think half I mean, the I time just, with Kansas City, it's not even defenses that are stopping them. They're stopping themselves. You think it's and that? I don't know if that's going to change. They got wide right. receivers dropping the ball all over the field. It, listen, when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's undeniable that when you watch them, it's not the Kansas City Chiefs of old. All that being said, how many teams would you rather play in the NFL? I'm not talking the AFC. Right. I'm talking the the entire NFL going to their home field and playing in a playoff game, any game. The list is incredibly short. There's, in my opinion, there's really only two teams I'd I'd rather not. I'd rather play, and that's the the Ravens and the 49ers. You're right. I would rather play, I think, even the Eagles. I think I'd rather go play the Dallas and, and Jerry World than I would before I play Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and, uh, and Browning Head. All that being said, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've won there before. The Bengals have won there before. so And they just lost there two weeks ago to Buffalo. Right. I mean, they just lost. Right. So it's, it's not it, – it, it, can, it can be done. But obviously the, the easier path 
is to beat the Steelers, beat the Browns, and hope that ten and yep. seven gets you in. For for what it's worth, I, I I have I've had the New York Times playoff predictor, their little playoff picture thing pulled up all week. And if the Bengals win this week against the Steelers before any other games take place, because it's going to be the second game of the entire schedule, they have a sixty percent chance of making the postseason. And you talked about that that Browns and Texans game, and this is just going off simulations. If if the Browns win or the Texans win, literally the playoff changes, playoff odds, yeah. don't, they don't change at all. That's right. Right. It's it's like sixty percent if they if if the Bengals win, and then if the Browns win, it's like sixty one. If the Texans win, it's like fifty eight. Right. So and, it's, and, and 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 that's basically what was in the article that Jay wrote was that really you can make an argument for rooting for either one, and right. you're really not going to go wrong. Right. So the bottom line is though, like you said is that the Bengals have to win a game. All right, let's take an ad break. Um, and uh, we got picks to do, yep. correct? We got picks to do, that's right. We got picks to do for the weekend. Yep. And uh, this is our last show before the uh, Christmas holiday. Of course, Christmas is three days and counting. That'll be on Monday, Christmas Eve, Sunday night. We will not be here on Tuesday. The 26th, right? But we will be here starting the 27th, 28th, 29th of next week leading up to the next Bengals game, which is against the aforementioned Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, on uh, Tuesday of next week, we'll break it all down, everything that happened um, tomorrow. So, let's take a timeout. What, what, what the hell are you laughing at? Uh, Sharon Peters said, did Reed ask Santa for hair plugs because my hairline's receding? That was funny. <laughs> I'm the one that needs the hair plugs. You well, don't need it. You just cut yours short. Mine's <laughs> falling out. I, I mean, I got a divot in the back going here. It's depressing. Every day I look in that mirror. I mean, it looks like you can't really tell here. I say this with all but love it's hurting. And respect, Tom, but you're a bit older than I am. So my, my hairline's receding quite, okay. quite rapidly. That's all right. I, and I am a lot older than you. All right. Casey, the stage is yours. All right, Tom. Bengals report was brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes. Kermit the Frog. Visit Encore.tech. Path to innovation begins here. Let me tell you about our wonderful sponsor here, Pony Water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Casey Rude, did you get all your holiday shopping done? Uh, I still have some last minute gifts to, to go get, but no that will be done probably tonight <laughs> after the show yeah, yeah. Li listen uh it is the holiday season so if you guys go get your shopping done i tell people all the time that one of the best things about I, I mentioned yesterday one of my favorite things about getting married is my wife just like lays out my clothes sometimes for me whenever we have like a like a wedding or like we're gonna go to christmas eve mass i mean i'll just i'll just show up and then close hey honey wear this all right i'll put it on without a doubt one of the best things about being married is all the all the christmas presents are just done by her I mean, I see the money come out of the bank account, so I'm like, hey, let's, let's calm down on the spending. But, like, my, I have two godsons, cousins, all of, it, all of it's taken care of from, uh, from Mariana. So, shout out to my wife and, and Everett. Yeah, I do have a Starbucks because my wife got it for me today. So, yeah, Merry Christmas, all. I'm sorry I'm going to wear my Cubs hat. I am a Cubs fan, as you guys know. I found it, by the way. I found it. So, there's my little Cubbies hat. Thank you, Casey, for getting this. 
Um, I, I will say this. Everyone's talking about Jamar Chase being out, and rightfully so. He's, he's the best weapon that they have. Um, he was out last time, last year, when we played the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what happened? T. Higgins got nine receptions for 148 yards. So hopefully that same thing happens. Trent Irwin actually had a good game, as Jay Morrison brought up, uh, three receptions for 42 yards. So hopefully it's, it's more of the same. I'm a little worried about tomorrow. The spread, don't like it. As we know, my takes are, are largely based off of betting lines, and I don't like that spread. If, if, if you want to go to the opposite of, a, of opinion, a public opinion, the Bengals should walk into this one and win this. I mentioned my dad, who is a hard-nosed guy. He, he told me earlier this week, and I've never heard him say this before. He's like, oh, we're going to go in there. We're just going to wax them. We're, we're going to kick their tail. I mean, he, he'd be the kind of guy that if the Bengals are 15-0 and 0, and they're playing an 0-15 team, he's like, I don't know. Watch out for this game. It's a trap game, something like that. And he's just talking about how they're gonna they're gonna wax the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'll take this off because you guys don't like the the, the North Siders. The North Siders. Oh, also before before we get, keep going, this is a fun thought experiment that I I text uh, Trace and uh, our group chat is after the the Dodgers sign Yamamoto. And on top of the Shohei Otani deal, and you can throw in glass now, but we'll just keep it Yamamoto and Otani, which clears $1 billion. Do we think that the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm not saying that I'm saying this more not, not to like troll the Cincinnati Reds, but more of what is Major League state Baseball gotten into, the yeah. state of baseball. Do we think that the Cincinnati Reds have spent a billion dollars on free agents in their franchise's history? I'm not talking extensions. I'm talking bringing guys in. So, like, the Joey Votto $250 million deal, that's out. But, like, King Griffey Jr. is $119 million deal. That's on the table. I looked it up last night. If you take in this year, Mike Moustakis, every free agent signing that Nick Crawl has made, it equals out to about $250 million. That's, that's, that's six years of being the GM, and it's only one-fourth of what – the Dodgers just committed to two players. So that's crazy. Do you know when the baseball CBA is? It's in, like, a, couple, it's in a couple of years. So we still have another couple of years of this nonsense? I mean, not that it's going to change. but Oh, like, there, there will never. I, I have a hard. The only way that there will ever be a salary cap in the league, in Major League Baseball, is if the players realize that it's damaging for the sport. Like they would, like they would be a... a accepting that they're going to make less money. So that's never going to happen. The strongest union in the United States of America is the Baseball Players Association Union. Yeah. That's the strongest union in America. Is, Shout out Marvin Miller. Is there a I, – I should probably know this. Is there a league minimum for no. players? And no. That's so the, the, close, the only thing that they have is they have a luxury tax. So if you clear – if your payroll clears this amount of money – you then pay a tax. You pay like a percentage of what your payroll is. So a lot of like sometimes that does limit teams from spending, but now teams have just figured out ways to stay under the tax via deferred money and those sorts of things. Tell you, it makes wild. it hard. It makes it hard to to be a fan of the game. And I mean, I've grown up my whole life in the game and broadcast baseball over thirty years. It's just. And it's not to say you can't have fluke situations because they've happened, but they don't happen like, like like all the analytics folks out there make you think it happens because it doesn't, and the numbers simply don't lie. Kansas City is the only 
mid to small market team forever that has won a World Series. That's it. And this year is, is example A. The Rangers go spend a gazillion dollars on the Jacob DeGroms of the world and all these guys in the offseason. DeGrom gets hurt. Surprise, surprise. And they just go out and make trades and acquire all these guys who are also making a ton of money to make up for what happened with the other mistakes. The Diamondbacks, low payroll team, make this remarkable run. The most unlikely run we've seen in recent years in baseball. I mean, they beat all these big market teams. They, they swept the Brewers, and they're not a big market team. They swept the Dodgers. They, they, they beat the Phillies after being down two games to none. Big spending teams in L.A. and Philly. But what happens? At the end of the day, the Rangers, who have a payroll north of $170, 180000000 bucks, bucks, they right. win the World Series. I mean, can you imagine you this Dodger team? $1 billion in two and a half weeks? One billion dollars. You give a, and, and you know, it's so funny. And again, here we go again with this whole sort of, you know, celebration of contract. And look, I'm all in favor of everybody making as much as they can. I hope everybody in this room and everybody watching this show, I hope you can do things for your family, do things for your friends, do things for your faith, do things for the better of mankind because you're making so much money. I hope and pray that happens to every single one of you. There are other areas I'd, I'd have more prayers for, but that one would be a good one, right? But when you sit there and you look at this whole thing, you know, again, you'll get the analytics people and make no mistake, you could scour the internet and find millions of these examples when it comes to drafting players. Pitchers, specifically, we're talking about now in Yamamoto's case. There have only been, I think, like five pitchers in the last 30, 35 years who were 5'11 and 180 pounds shorter or lighter that have eclipsed over 1,200 big league innings. So the knock all the time you'll hear from the analytics crowd is, don't bring in these small stature guys as pitchers. Don't do it. Mike Leake was one of the names on that list. Corey Lytle, God rest his soul, was another one of those guys on that list. Did Lincecum get there? Tim Lincecum was another guy on that list. Those are three of the five, and I'm drawing a blank on the other two. But now all of a sudden, you're giving a guy, and he may turn out to be Cy Young. I don't know. But now all of a sudden, you're given a pitcher, a pitcher, a 12-year contract. And the thing that just boggles my mind more than anything is how these agents get these teams to say, okay, we're going to commit 12 years and $325 million. And really, that's $375 million because I mentioned earlier, you had to pay $50 million to the team just so you could bring him from Japan to the United States. It's like a tariff, right? 
Not only do you get the team to agree to that, but you get Andrew Friedman, Mr. Moneyball in Tampa Bay. Boy, they're playing big-time Moneyball in L.A., right? Which is why the Moneyball thing is such a joke. It is such a joke. They don't win World Series. They might build good teams, Tampa Bay, where Friedman was. They'll get you to the playoffs. They're a nice little story every now and again. It's a joke. It's a joke. The big money spending teams are winning World Series. Doesn't mean you're going to get to the playoffs every year. Look at the Mets and Yankees this year. There's no guarantee of that. But let's all be honest about it here. You would take your chances. If you're the fan of a team, you'd rather have their payroll at $215 million than you would at $100 million. We can all agree on that. But not only do you give the guy 12 years and commit yourself to $375 million, you then turn around and acquiesce to his request. Can I have an opt-out after two years? Can you imagine that? Right. Can you imagine that sitting at a table negotiating with someone? And you're, let's just say you're the owner. And you're looking a guy in the eye who's a representative of this employee that you want on your team. And you say, you know what? I am willing to commit 12 years, $325 million to you. And then having the guts to be sitting on the other side of the table and say, hey, by the way, I really, really appreciate that 12 years and $325 million. But, you know, would you mind also throwing in an opt-out after years two and three? <laughs> Could you imagine that? They have, they have all the power in the world, don't they, these players? It's unbelievable. It's not just the, it's just not the, 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 the power of the players. It's, it's, the, it's the owners who they yell and scream when they sit a, across the negotiating table with the players' union when CBAs come up. Yet they're the ones that shoot themselves in the foot by doing stuff like this. Right. What would happen if the, if the owner were to say to the agent, hey, we're going to commit 12 years, 325 million bucks, but you know what I need from you since I'm giving you that? I need an opt-out after two years where if your guy stinks, I don't pay him anymore. Right? Right? Tom. Tom was one of the other guys. I'm, I've, I've been thinking ever since you brought up those six foot and uh, shorter. Was Marcus Stroman one of those guys? Um, I he's, he's got thirteen hundred innings. He's five foot seven. He might be one of those guys. I read the list last night somewhere. Somebody had posted that last night on Twitter. Um, and by the way, Moneyball the movie, I love it. I mean, the first voice you hear in the movie Moneyball is Tom Brenneman. There you go. The very first one. So I'm Here, a big fan of Moneyball. Here's the thing. And also, we talk about small markets that have one. Are we considering St. Louis not a small market? I know they, they no, have two million. No, they're not. Plus, they're not okay. no, they, and what about the White Sox? Markets are not defended. No, definitely not. Markets are not defended by base. just the media size. That's part of it. But, right. I mean, the, the Cardinals in terms of – they are a, a – they are playing in a smaller market, but they have the revenue of a big market team because of their attendance. Mm -hmm. They're drawing over 3 million fans every right. year. They're a big market team. Um, or certainly not a mid or small market team. Let's put it that way. Okay. And they've proven that again this offseason. Right. Yeah, I mean, th those are both 
interesting cases to be determining what a big because like clearly the White Sox are in a huge market. Yes, but they've got such a small foothold of the fan base yes, in that do. market. You're right. Well, although you can, back you can in those days, they they were starting to build it up pretty good because they had good teams. I mean, obviously they won a World Series, but I mean they had good yeah. teams. Yeah, listen, they they were they were very good, and they had like some fan favorites: Mark Burley, Jermaine Dye, Paul Konerko, all those. Yeah, like, all those guys. God bless AJ Brzezinski. But uh, yeah, I mean they they I don't know. The Diamondbacks are. Would you consider them a small? Oh market? well, without a they doubt, they won an O one. Without it, well, so but an O one, they weren't a small market team because they were only three years old. They're drawing three million fans a year, and they went out. And they spent like madmen on, I mean, the entire roster for that postseason, whether it's <laughs> Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson or Luis Gonzalez or Steve Finley or Matt Williams or Jay Bell. I mean, these were guys that were like on top of their game right. and among the highest paid players at their position in Major League Baseball. And they were drawing over 3 million fans a year because they had just started the franchise. Right. So, you know, time changes. Now, all of a sudden, the Diamondbacks are not drawing like they used to. And, 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 and they're not getting the television money. They're not getting any television money anymore. Right. Because Bally pulled the plug on their deal. I'm fascinated to see still where all that ends up. Yeah, didn't they just make a deal with the NHL? Bally says someone made a deal with the, with the NHL. I got to look into well, that. Well, there's talk about Bally's. The big story two days ago was at Amazon was considering or there are rumors that Amazon was going to consider coming in and basically being the venture capital firm to keep Bally's afloat. Okay. And so then your local games would all be streamed, not on regular, you know. I mean, if you got YouTube, you ain't getting the Reds. You got to also subscribe to Amazon. Because they got to make up, you know, they got to make money too. And so, there's a big talk about that. I mean, you still have the Padres, the Diamondbacks, now the Minnesota Twins. All three do not have a quote-unquote television home for this coming season. Major League Baseball took over the broadcast last year when Bally's pulled the plug on the Diamondbacks and the Padres that they took over their telecast for the rest of the year, and they gave them 80% of the money that they were supposed to get from Bally's in the agreed-upon rights fees deal. But the Twins have had that deal pulled end of season. They don't know where they're playing their games. I mean, can you imagine if the Reds, and, and Bally's has said, it was in the paper a couple days ago, they're going to pay the remaining teams on this deal that they have through this year. They're going to pay them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Reds are going to get their money. There was some, although I wouldn't necessarily count on that because they said the same thing before last year, and they pulled the plug and won in court to pull the plug on deals with the Diamondbacks and the Padres. So, okay, but let's just say they get their money this year. But could you imagine us sitting here this year, this time next year, and, and, and you have no idea where you're going to watch the Reds play? Right. Are, are you kidding? All right. Two, day, two before we two days ago, Bally Sports and the NHL agreed to keep eleven teams on Bally Sports through the end of the year. This came through just just a couple days ago. So, Bally's going to stay in the NHL till the at least till the end of the year. Yeah, and I mean their rights fees are a fraction for hockey that they are in baseball. Right. Fraction. Bally Sports had a, had a debt of eight point six seven million dollars billion dollars yeah, billion dollars. Yes, yes. All right, here we go. Time for picks. We ready to go? Right before we do picks, I do want to just quickly go through some of our super chats because usually Elliot 
is the one that likes to, to pick up on the super chats. So uh, early on in the show, Parker Blake sent in a $5 super chat. Why do GMs never catch flack for personnel? That's a fair I think, question. I think that's a really great question. In all honesty, I think we have a really good GM here in Cincinnati. Um, Who is the GM? Duke Tobin's Duke, the, well, not he, the GM. He's a de facto he, He's GM. the, yeah. He's the guy that makes the personnel decisions, though. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Jeff Frazier, $5 super chat. As a Steelers fan in three of our losses in the playoffs, we lost to Blake Bortles, Tim Tebow, and a 38-year-old Peyton Manning. Had Ben Brown Bell. Yeah, it's, it's tough. The Blake, the Blake Bortles going to the AFC Championship game was hilarious because I remember reading articles going, this Jaguars, this Jaguars team is uh, going to be the future of the AFC. Yep. They're going to be incredible. I don't think they made the postseason ever again. Yeah, they did not. That's right. Um, Steve from Chicago, $5 Super Chat. Just get in the playoffs. The whole AFC is beatable. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, Steve. I concur with that. There you go. And then you read Parker Blake's $2 Super Chat. Would Moneyball strategy work in the NFL? Which they don't have to. They don't have to worry about it. They literally don't have to. The only only thing that I would say that is becoming more, and you've heard this take from me, is that it's becoming more and more abundantly clear that you can't pay running backs what – what they think they deserve to be paid. Like you can, you can pay them a little bit of money, but it just be, is becoming more and more clear that you can't give a running back $20 million. But go on. Okay. Right, picks. We're ready for picks? Yep, we're ready right, for here picks. Here we go. Here we go. Blackmore has been screaming for him here in the chat. Okay. We begin. Colts v. Falcons. Clearly, uh, in Jay Morrison's article, uh, you're rooting for the Falcons. Even though the Bengals have a head-to-head win over the Colts, you're rooting for the Falcons in this one. Two-and-a-half-point favorite. How in the world is it? That's land? what I'm talking I mean, about, that Tom. Team stinks. That makes no sense. They, I mean, they st- and they're going with uh, Taylor Heineke, right? Right. Right. Okay. Instead of Desmond Ritter, he's out. Um, you wonder what his future is in the league. That's another topic for another day. I am going with the Batlin Garner Minshews. That's a good pick, Tom. I really don't understand this spread whatsoever because I would say the best thing about the Falcons is their defense. And you look at the injuries that they have on their defense, and two of the biggest reasons why they've been really good this year is um, David Onyemata and then Clayus Campbell. And those two are both questionable. Um, Bud Dupree's also been a pretty decent linebacker for them. Jake Matthews, one of their top tackles, also questionable. It it just doesn't make sense. Um, I'm going to go with the Colts as well. That spread just – I don't get it. Reed? Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is going against my my gambling knowledge, which is typically if you, you see a spread that doesn't make sense, you just take it. Like yeah. last night, I took with the Saints. I didn't I didn't understand that spread. I thought it should have been more. Obviously, it didn't work out. Um, but my brain tells me to take the Falcons because of my ga- my gambling knowledge. But I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts. I think the the baby horses are going to win this one. Um, I'll do my best Elliot impersonation because we do have his uh, his picks. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I say this with all love and respect, but the, the Indianapolis Colts are not a serious team. They're not a serious team. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to take the Falcons. <laughs> okay. I think I think what you should have said was, I'm going to change my pick. That's right. Because he was going to pick the Colts, That's but right. he just knew that we would all pick Colts. Listen, I'm so new to being Elliot. I'm new to doing it, so I'll, we'll, we'll pick it up. On I wouldn't want to make that a habit. Go ahead. <laughs> 
All right, moving on. Broncos versus the Patriots. Minus seven for the fighting Russell Wilsons. Reed? Uh, for me, I'm actually, I believe I took the Patriots in this when I put this in here earlier, and I, and I, and I believe that. For some reason, I just have a, a hankering, a suspicion that not that they're going to win, but that the New England Patriots are going to cover this game. So seven points. Um, once again, here's my here's my best Elliot impersonation. I mean, the, the the Patriots are terrible. I mean, they're the worst, and I, and I say this with all love and respect, but they're the worst team that that has maybe ever gone out on a football field. It's for that reason the battling Sean Paytons are gonna are gonna wop it up. Dangerous, wow. dangerous. Let Russ cook. That's right. All right, Casey. I just don't have a lot of faith. Lid. Yeah, I love this lid from Molly. Little, little Santa pants from Molly. Santa from, from Molly. Go That's ahead. right, Tom. That's Go right. Uh, I'm going with the the Bill Belichick's. I'm going with the wow. fighting Belichick's. I think that Denver got a lot of hype for some of the wins that they had against the Bills and the Chiefs, and I mean they, those were impressive wins. But I think that maybe they are starting to fall back down to earth. So. That being said, seven points is a lot. It is. It's a lot. And I just don't think that they have the offense that can uh, put up a lot of points. I think that their success is on defense. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think they'll cover that spread. Okay. I'm taking the uh, fight in Russell Wilson's. They're at home. Dangerous. They're, they're at home. Dangerous. Uh, they got a lot to play for. Patriots have nothing to play for. Although the Bailey Zappies are playing pretty good right now. Okay. Um, next up. San Francisco versus the Ravens. Now, this has come down from five and a half. We talked about it on the show yesterday. Right. It is still the largest underdog spread. Uh, second largest in Lamar Jackson's career. The only other time he was a bigger underdog in a game was at Kansas City, his fourth NFL start in 2018. Baltimore lost that game, but they lost in overtime by three. All right. This is a big-time game right here now. Yeah, listen, this very well might be a Super Bowl preview. Yep. These, I mean, they're the best two teams in the league. They've been that way pretty much all season long, other than that three-game stretch that the 49ers had right in the middle of the season. But other than that, these are the best two teams. Um, listen, it's tough. It's tough to go out there and win in San Francisco. Not tough for the Bengals, but it's tough for a lot of teams. A lot of teams go out there, and they just dwindle and die. Not everyone can be the Cincinnati Bengals and just beat up on the San Francisco 49ers in their own dojo. Yep. For that reason, I'm taking the 49ers and the Christian McCaffreys. The fight in Christian McCaffreys. Okay. Casey? Well, who, wait, also, wait, who's Elliot taking? Elliot's also taking the 49ers. I can't believe the Ravens are five-point underdogs in this one. Um, so we're both, we're both riding the 49ers. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think this is the point where – people will finally realize the the take I had since the very beginning of the year that this is one of the best rosters we've seen in 10 years when they absolutely throttle the Ravens, who have been throttling everyone else. So that being said, I'm going to take the 49ers. I think uh, we're going to see some really good, some back-and-forth um, scoring, but in the end, I think that 49ers pull through, cover the spread. Okay. I am going to go with uh, the Ravens. I am a big fan of the Baltimore Ravens in the year that they're having. It's a big-time team. They're going to be ready to go. You're a big fan of the Hardball family. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's, uh, we got, what, two more left? Uh, we've got three more Three left. more left. Pardon me. We know one of them is the Bengalis. Of course. Right. Okay. 
Got Cowboys versus Dolphins. Miami is favored by one point. This is a really interesting game on multiple levels because really neither team, outside of the one win Dallas had over Philadelphia at home a couple weeks ago, these teams have had a hard time really beating somebody good. That's right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Casey, we'll start with you this time. Um, this was a really tough one for me to pick. I'm going to end up going with the Cowboys because I think defense wins ball games. And you're going to tell me that they're not going to be able to get to Tua and get him off his game. And they're going to be probably without Tyree kill this game. Yeah, I think Cowboys. I think Cowboys can win this ball game. I think that they they don't just cover. I think they win the ball game. So, okay. Yeah. Coming over to me. Listen, this is what the youths will call S T D L. You know what that stands for, Tom? Yeah, I know what S T D stands for. You threw in an L. What is that? Nice. Same team, different league. This is the. Ex- they're the exact Good. same team. They're the exact same team. One plays in the AFC, one plays in the NFC. Both score a lot of points, beat up on terrible teams, put up 40-plus points, and everyone's like, ooh, look how good the Miami Dolphins are. Then they go play on the road, and they get throttled by someone. Dallas Cowboys, they beat up on everybody, right? All these bad teams at home. Yep. Oh, they're winning by 40 points. Look how good the Dallas Cowboys are. Then they go to Buffalo, and they give up 900 rushing yards. So it's for this reason. I'm taking the home team. That's literally the only thing I got for me. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins, and uh, Elliot's going to do the same. Really? Okay. Well, I'm going to go with uh, with you guys on that one. I think the uh, battling Dolphins, even though uh, you know their defense certainly leaky, uh, but they are at home, and I think this will be a. Uh, I think it'll be a big deal. Them at home. Okay. Two more to go. All right. Oh, we know it's next. Brownies, brownies, nine and five. The Batlin Joe Flacco's. It's tough against the. uh, And again, it's not. I mean, even though it doesn't look like it, you can always have a change of heart, which you're allowed to do. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you do have until Sunday to declare a roster. I think it's an hour out before the game, hour and a half out before the game. We saw that with Brock Purdy. Everybody said he wasn't going to play against the Bengals, and bang. He shows up and plays. So that applies to C.J. Stroud. Uh, conceivable. Likely, no. Conceivable, perhaps. Two and a half point spread. Brownies cover this big time. I'm taking a Brownies. Oof. Um, I would love for, for C.J. Stroud to play. If he does not play, I just have a hard time believing that Houston can get it done. But I'm still going to pick him anyways. I, I feel like I still wow. hold the hold the uh, the right you to change, just but despise the Browns. Uh, I I just, I just think the Browns them. are a little fraudy. I think that Joe Flacco can uh, throw some interceptions. He, he can, can turn the ball over quite a bit, and uh, Texas has an underrated pass rush. So I'm gonna just take them and hope that the the Texans kind of surprise some people tomorrow or not tomorrow, but whenever they play Sunday, yeah. Sunday. And that'll be on locally because the Bengals are not playing on Sunday. So we will get uh, – that's a Fox doubleheader. They've it's got another that monster game. That game. Um, they've got – what's that? That's another Browns 1 o'clock game we get to watch on Sunday. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Casey's such an interesting Bengals fan, Tom, because he is literally the pulse of, of Cincinnati fan. Like when, when yes. they lose a couple games in a row, fire Zach Taylor. This team's never going to win no, another D-U-N. game. They're, that was they're terrible. D-U-N. They win a couple games. This is the greatest team. They can win the division, yada, yada. But for some reason, he doesn't hate the Steelers more than the Browns and the Ravens, which is like my brain doesn't even compute that because the Steelers like have just – I mean, they're so deep in my brain. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. They live um, rent-free. Right, live rent-free. I don't think the Houston Texans are a very good team. I think they're a fidget spinner. Everyone told me after they beat the fidget Bengals. Fidget spinner? Yeah, I mean, they're just they're, – they're here. They're the Peloton that sits in the corner of your your house after you buy it. They're the Oculus Rift that you bought because <laughs> it was the, the new thing of yeah. that Christmas season. Listen, ever, after the Texans beat the Bengals, everyone's telling me how great this Houston Texans team is, and I just don't see it yet. Maybe in a couple of years, I just don't see it yet. I think the Browns have a much more established roster. So give me the, the Cleveland Browns. Elliot's going to take the Browns as well. I mean, Yash says Casey is a high-octane reactionary fan. He loves his team. That's true. That you is got absolutely a big true. fan in, your, in our guy, Yash. That is very true. Okay. Um, and, of course, last but not least. Last but, uh, Did I pick the winner of that game? I picked the Brownies, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. We got the Bengalis. A two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Pittsburgh. Cleveburg, as we like to call it. You could, you could apply that to either one. Go ahead. Tom, they got to win this game. <laughs> so, it, the Bengals. Okay. The Bengals have we. to win this game in order to, to advance. Right. That's a we. In order French to even have yes. a chance to make it to the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm going to be taking the Cincinnati. Well, uh, if it would let me uh, – Hmm. It's not wanting to, to work, but... Oh, that could be an omen. There we go. There we go. Okay. But I'm taking the Bengals. Okay. Um, listen, I'm, I'm so terrified of this game. Luckily, I'm getting a, a nice keg of Natty Light to, to get my brain nice. Nice, nice and numb before the game starts. Nice. Um, I, I think the Steelers are going to cover. I think the Steelers are going to win, and that's me just protecting my heart. It's so fragile. It's so frail, but I'm gonna just going to think that the Steelers are going to win this one. Um, Elliot, Ellie Rue is, is, has his whole, has his entire net worth on the Cincinnati Bengals this game. He feels he does? so confident at Tom. Like if, if, if he, if they don't win this game and cover two and a half points, Elliot's going to be sent back decades. I mean, he'll never be able to financially recover from how much money he has on the Cincinnati. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's loading up. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're talking, we're talking big time, big time money, Tom. That automobile of his might be on the line. Yeah, I think I think he actually put it up as collateral when he got credit. Got a whole twenty five bucks for it. That was mean. That was a mean shot. Sorry, Elliot. He talks about it. All right, I, I, I'm going with the Bengals too. I mean, they're hot. They got it going on. Um, I do. I, I'm a lot like Reed. The, the game does worry me a little because of all the things we heard from Mike DeFabo today about kind of the whole vibe in Pittsburgh, uh, and they, you know, everybody's saying they better show up and be ready to play. And the, the Bengals' run defense worries me, really worries me. And I think we are going to see a team perhaps carry the football, unless they fall behind early, right. big early. I think there's a legitimate chance we see 50 rushes from the Steelers in the game tomorrow. Score prediction, Tom? I'm going to go uh, Bengali's um, – I'm going to go 24-13. Ooh. Ooh, nice. Bengals. That'd be a nice. big win. Yeah. Reed? 
Yeah. Uh, I don't want to give a score prediction, but do you ever notice when they do the score predictions before a primetime game, every single spread is the same? Like it's like 27, 24, yep. 26, 20, 23. Like, like all those, like, it's, it's the same score every time. They, they give the same scores out. I'm not giving a prediction, once again, because my poor little heart can't take it. I'm going to say 23-20. All right. <laughs> wow. All right. So you're saying that's like a last fourth quarter win on a field goal? Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't want to get into a field goal kicking game with the Steelers. Their guy's pretty good, too. Ours is better. Well, ours is really good, but they, they got a good one. He, the, he can make a money kick for you now. Also, so I've, I've heard some people like, like Trace and Sean um, are, were telling me, he's like, why don't you guys give more credit to, your, to the Bengals kicker? Evan McPherson's incredible. It's like, what do you want us to do? Did we not talk about him yesterday for 10 minutes? Well, it's just like, yeah. Well, they said earlier in the week, they're like, you guys don't realize how good of a kicker you have. You don't give him enough credit. It's like, what, what do you want? He's, he's the kick. Like, he's fantastic. You ask any Bengals fan, we think we have a top three kicker in the league. But are we, like, are we supposed to be talking about how good he is at kicking, his form kicking? How good of a, like, what do you want us to do? Like, we can't talk about it. Like, it's just, it's, you either got a good kicker or you don't. There's nothing to dissect there. Yep. So without, but uh, Tom, the final thing we got to do this week before we we take off for the holiday season is we got to give our chat power rankings. Let's have them for this week. Let's right. go, Casey. If you'll just pan the camera just a little bit, just yep, a little yep, bit, yep. so we can get these. Uh... So I took over chat power rankings this week. Okay, it's the holiday season. We have uh... this is a big one because this is uh, like a Christmas gift. This one. Yes, it is. We're not going to do chat of the year. We'll do that next week. So that's a little spoiler. Okay. Next year will be chat. Chat members of the year of our Lord, 2023. This is just another week, and it is before the, the holiday season. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's chat power rankings. I haven't done this in a while. Let's have it. Coming in at number seven, it's a fellow beaver, Mr. Mo. Listen, nobody is tougher on my football takes than Mr. Mo, and I get it. I have some bad ones from time to time. He actually messaged me yesterday and was like, hey, I know I give you some grief sometime, but it's all – and listen – if you, if you start taking it easy on me, Mr. Mo, I lose my street cred. That's right. So don't take it easy on me. When I have a bad take, go ahead and tell me it's a bad take. I can take it. I'm a big boy sometimes. But Mr. Mo, congratulations. You're number seven this week. Coming in at number six, he's the biggest defender of me. And I can get bribed easily. It's Blackmore. Blackmore with the Marvin the Martian uh, as his profile picture. Blackmore, he's, he's always telling we got to fire the fire read promos. He defends me. Sometimes he's a little too tough on Elliot. But it's okay because Blackmore, you support me and I support you. Who's so, the Martian? Marvin the Martian. That's his profile picture. Okay. From Looney Tunes. Do you know Marvin the Martian? No, but go ahead. You don't know Marvin? Tom, no, I don't. Get you I don't. I've never heard of him. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Coming in at number five. This was a late shake. This was a late shakeup. I had him in a different spot on this list. He's been he, he he's very hard on me. He's very very hard on me. But today he wished me a merry Christmas, and I and I like his chat. He's always here. He's an ardent supporter of Chatterbox Sports. So coming in at number five was Brian B. Merry Christmas to you, Brian B. Love I had you picture. at a different spot on this list, and you'll see where that is soon. Love that picture. That's good. That's his dog. Yeah, I imagine. Love it. Love it. Coming in at number four, he's he's, he's superstar Mark Fetters. Big Michigan fan Mark Fetters is, but yeah. Mark watches all of our stuff. He won't be long. He watches all of our stuff. He comments, listen, I mean, Mark is, is a gold star of a nut cutter. 
So we appreciate you being in the chat every single day. And Mark, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. So thank you so much for being a part of Nutcutter Nation. Coming in at number three is a person that very much exists, Tom. It's Molly. Oh, I know Molly exists because Molly is inside the chat every day. So, yeah, Molly's very much alive, but please go ahead. Molly is uh, me familia. Thank you for the, for the Christmas hats. You gave them to us last week, but we're thank you sporting them. I got, I got mine right here. I'm not going to put it on because no one wants to see the Cubs. But, Molly, thank you so much for the Christmas hats. Tom, Molly's, Molly's sister is the, the editor-in-chief at the Journal News, um, newspaper. Hamilton News? Yeah, the Hamilton newspaper. Yep. I'm just telling you. Okay, okay. Her sister writes for the, for the Hamiltonian. Okay. Or at least has. I don't know if she does anymore. Okay. All right. Coming in, this is, this is where Brian B. was going to be. And I asked these guys if this was a, this is a new, this is a new power, part of the chat power rankings. I'm calling this one Turd Burglar of the Week. So this is for the biggest turd burglar. And Everett, I gave you so much praise, but you've just been on my case recently. So I, you're, you're the turd burglar of the week, Everett. I mean, come on, man. Well, what I do? Merry Christmas, though. Ramley. We still got Ramley. Don't block me. You've blocked me before. Don't block me. I love you. That was supposed to be Brian B., but then he was nice to me. All right, coming in at number two is a guy that gave me maybe the best compliment i've ever given he's a, he's a huge supporter tweets us all the time can't always be in the chat but he always watches the show after it if he's not here live and it is randy randy g one time called me human and i appreciate that because you know what i am human i am a human being and i appreciate you for recognizing that randy merry christmas to you and to your family congratulations on being number two this week all right before we get to number one yes we have something to address tom Public enemy number one in our chat is Sean Connor. I don't know if you know who Sean Connor. If you see Sean Connor's uh, messages come across our chat, Tom, but I am certain he just he just he just celebrated Molly, calling her the queen of the chat. Okay, go ahead. I think Sean Connor is a burner. I don't think Sean Connor exists. I've been hot on this trail for a couple of weeks now. He doesn't say anything bad. He's very nice. Sometimes he's a little passive. He, he lives rent-free in my head, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because he, he, he brings up, like, my collegiate stats. He brings up things to Elliot that only, like, personal things would know. So I think it's someone that works here, whether it's Nick Kirby, whether it's Trace Fowler, whether it's Sean Spurlock, whether it's Quitter Paul, whether it's Casey. It's not Sean Connor, I am, I'm going to figure out who you are if it's the last thing you do. I hope it's a real Sean Connor. I hope it really is just you, Sean. I mean, he, he emails me. He emails me just random YouTube clips, and I appreciate you, Sean. I'm going to figure out who you are, but you're public enemy number one. Okay. Soon, soon there'll be a cork board, and wow. we'll figure out. Spirit of, uh, spirit of uh, good tidings toward men has gone right out the window here. Go ahead. And finally, coming in at number one, it's the reason of the season, Tom. Coming in at number one on this week's chat power rankings yes. is Jesus of Nazareth. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. He's uh, here every day, you know. Yes. He is. That's He's right. right here every single day. He's right here. Absolutely. Lives across the street in the tabernacle at St. Julie's Church. That's for sure. That's a Catholic thing. All right. That was the chat power rankings. Okay. All right. Jesus. Uh, Yash has been on his game. I'll tell you that. thing I like about Yash is he's been throwing out bets he's making, you know, specific bets about number of rushing yards or passing yards or all that nobody else has given that on a regular basis and i'm not even a gambler but i find it interesting 
Okay. Um, gentlemen, and to uh, all of you, Casey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great holiday weekend. Read likewise. Merry Christmas. We really say this sincerely. We jack around a lot on this show. Um, but we, we really want to thank all of you. Uh, we've been a little over a year going here on uh, Chatterbox Sports and off the bench. We're not perfect. Uh, never will be perfect uh, as people or as a show. Um, but we really appreciate each and every one of you. Our prayers go out to you and your families and your friends. And we pray really for, for, for all the people, even our enemies and the children and even some of the animals out in this kind of weather and all this kind of thing. And that all of us can have a place to go where it's warm and safe and we're loved uh, and we can give love and receive love. So Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Box lunch next. Box lunch next. Box lunch next. Merry Christmas. Here we go. See you guys next week.